Hey everyone, Brando here. And Mike. And we host the Game Addicts Podcast. A show about modern and retro video games. That we play and collect. Now, here's some vital information for you. Our podcast is found on podcast services around the globe, such as iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, and YouTube. Check us out every Thursday for a new episode. But wait! There's more. If you pledge to the Journey to Comics Network Patreon, you get early access to the audio version of the show up to a week early. So what are you waiting for? It's time to level up and check out the Game Addicts podcast today. The following is a Journey to Comics Network production. about books. I am not your host, Joanna. I am Veronica from Foodies Watching Movies Podcast, and joining me today, as always, it seems, my guest and co-host of Foodies Watching Movies, Nate Phillips. I don't know how the fuck I snuck onto literature all of a sudden. (laughs) This was not a part of the plan, but I'm here now, and I'm here, and I'm excited to join you on this journey, not into comics, but into literature. Wow. What a pro. (laughs) That's me. That's what I do here. I'm the pod deucer and the pod father. And, you know, um, when we decided we were going to do this uh, Bulls Week thing, well, I'll let you get into it. You want to get into it? Okay, I can get into it. Happy April Fool's Week, everybody, from the Journey in the Comics Network. Um, We decided that it would be fun to put all the names in a hat of all of the hosts across the network and do a drawing and switch switch it up shake it up for for fun for april fool's day why not right so of course i knew that this was going to fucking happen that when my name got pulled from the hat mr nate phillips also knew that this was probably going to happen and i almost thought he did it on purpose but he swears that he didn't. I got picked to host the Journey into Wrestling podcast. And I immediately responded with, a oh, fuck no. Are you? No. No, no, no. So <laughs> Nate got an angry text from me about it. And uh, <laughs> do you want to tell the story? Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, the way we did it was I talked to Brando and... April Fools has always kind of been a thing that pervaded me. I never got to do cool foolsy tricks, prankstery things. And now that I'm like running this network, I was like, what can we do for April Fools that no one else is doing? And the hat idea got brought up. Like, what if we all just fucking switch? So I essentially made like slots for where co-hosts and hosts go. And then I had, so I had one cup that had those names and one cup that had our actual names. We drew randomly, and the video is on our private Facebook group that's for, like, the the hosts, and I posted it right there, 
and yeah, you got you got drawn to do wrestling, uh, as did Kate from uh, Butt Stuff Podcast. That's right. I forgot. Caitlin was also picked to co-host Journey into Wrestling, and I'm pretty sure she had the exact fucking response that I had. And it's no hard feelings against the Journey into Wrestling podcast. You know, I've got mad love for you guys, for sure, obviously. But I don't want to fucking talk about wrestling because I have nothing to say about it. I don't watch wrestling. I don't get down on it. It's not my jam, you know. So I didn't want to shit all over your guys' parade and piss people off and, you know, make fun of something that I don't even care enough about to make fun of. And I know what you're going to say. I know you think that I secretly love wrestling because I hate on it. But I don't, like, actively hate on it unless you're making me, (laughs) No, it's not that you actively hate on it. It's that you guys, (laughs) let me tell you, I spent a lot of time with V and so many times she drops funny wrestling quips well, and just it, for you but it's not but it's but I it, know you like that no i know that you know that i like that but it doesn't mean that i do okay um hold on so let me just say that it does because <laughs> she has an opinion on like certain wrestlers and whatnot which means they're doing their job they're paid to make you love or hate them, and she hates certain ones that you're supposed to hate. So, hey, it works out. Uh, that's just how it goes here. I uh, also want to mention today that we were planning, like I said, Veronica was going to do this solo mode, and we only brought one mic. That's me not planning very intelligently, so we're kind of sharing here. So she may uh, dip in and out of quality because we're going to be kind of going back and forth here. But I'm going to let you take back over your podcast. Long story short, you and Caitlin leveraged Brando and myself to not make this happen there was a compromise uh brandon found himself doing foodies this week uh with kate Mm -hmm. and then literature became a show and it was like oh that's going to release during fool's week what are we going to do about that we didn't even think about that and i was like well kate's got that like why don't we just put veronica on lit and then you know you know books and stuff so here we are uh i'm gonna let you kind of take it away again this is your show and not the Journey into Comics podcast. That is correct. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so once this magical switch of fate happened, I, I you know, naturally got nervous about it because I've never had to do like a solo cast before and it wasn't something that I was particularly thrilled about doing. So I asked Nate if he would be my guest today. And he's like, well, what would I even talk about? Because you're going to be talking about Stephen King. Because obviously, if I'm going to do a podcast about books, it's going to start with Stephen King, one of my favorite authors. And we're going to read one of my or talk about one of my favorite books. I have a quick question just from the peanut gallery, because I actually don't know this. Why is Stephen King one of your favorite authors? Just his body of work? Is there a certain um, way he writes that draws you in? Is it a mixture of the fact that he has quality books that sometimes hit the mark in the movie realm and then sometimes are odd ad- adaptations that don't really make sense to what the book does? W- what about Stephen King actually draws you to him? Yes, all those things. <laughs> Pretty much that. Yeah, all those things. You covered it. <laughs> I love Stephen King. Um my love for Stephen King books goes back to my childhood with my mother, of course, because she had like almost all of the Stephen King books that she had just owned, you know, from when she was in high school and stuff. And actually, the the book that I'm going to be talking about today, Skeleton Crew, was her copy uh, from when she was, you know, still Joseph Merkel. <laughs> Aww. 
Yeah, it's got her name written in it and everything. And the cover is almost completely ripped off on both sides. It's it's seen better days. But, you know, I, I just recently moved and I was unpacking some boxes and I was unpacking my book boxes and found this book in there. And I was like, oh, my God. I've got to reread this book. I got to show. I got to show this book to our friend Sarah. She's gonna love it. And um, it was kind of interesting timing because we had just recently gone shopping and picked up uh, a copy of Creep Show Two, which is this horrible movie from the eighties that has um, like vignettes. It's like a. It's like a. How would you describe Creep Show Two? Like a comic book. I feel like Creep Show Two is essentially a take on telling stories between two mediums where they use live action and comic book style animation. animation to bridge those two worlds together to tell really interesting, creepy, weird, hilarious, bizarre, what the fuck stories that you would only find in like a creep show styled comic book. Right. Cause it's got that campy kitsch factor to it. And, uh, I like that. I I can appreciate a shitty B movie from the eighties, and I'm I'm currently trying to collect all of them. I've got Creepshow One, Creepshow Two, Cat's Eye, which is uh, the Drew Barrymore vehicle from the eighties, where she was a tiny, precious little girl. And uh, what else? What other ones were we talking about? Well, anyway, um, so today we were going to talk about Skeleton Crew. That that was kind of like my main area of focus today we're reading my mom's copy um this book was published in june of 1985 um what are you showing me oh skeleton crew stephen king vintage 1986 first print it's exactly the same as this okay 12 bucks on ebay not bad bad. i prefer the shitty beat up copy that has my mom's name written in it though if that's okay (laughs) Anyway, you asked me why why I wanted to pick Stephen King and mostly like because of how like his work affected me so much as a young child seeing like some of the movies when I really shouldn't have thanks to my mother letting me watch Children of the Corn when I was like really little and that'll mess you up. Speaking of Children of the Corn, there was a trailer for it before Creepshow 2. Do you remember those trailers? Yeah, yeah. The The movie we just watched, Creepshow 2, had trailers for horrible old movies, including Children of the Corn. I mean, I don't think Children of the Corn is a, a particularly horrible movie from what, I seen, what I've seen of it. I, you know, I never actually saw the whole movie. Um, not that we're foodies watching movies right now because we could easily slip into that. But yeah. not that I've seen that whole movie. Uh, but from what I saw of it, it always looks so terrifying. And even the way they portray that trailer is like, oh, my God, fuck that. And I lived in the cornfields, you know. Yes, you are a corn husker after all. <laughs> corn jerker. Fail. Corn jerker. Whatever. Ooh. Anyway, so Children of the Corn scarred me because I live in lived in Northwest Indiana as a child and we're surrounded on all sides by cornfields and my mom was always trying to fuck with me like whenever we'd be driving she'd like slow the car down and unroll my window and start like singing the theme song for Children of the Corn because she knew that it was making me like want to piss my pants and I would get into like rage mode and start yelling at her about it (laughs) that was just mean you know Whatever. She let me watch some really inappropriate things like that. And it spawned my love for Stephen King. And it always brings back funny memories like that. So that's why I like it. And I've read 
a lot of his books, not all of them. I've I've missed out on a lot of good ones, or so I'm told. But um, the ones that I have read, I do love. And my favorite one, of course, is The Shining. I love The Shining. And I love the movie The Shining. And even though they are two completely different stories, and Stephen King notoriously hated Stanley Kubrick's film version of The Shining because it was so different. But it was different in a really beautiful way. You know what I mean? You you like The Shining, right, Nate? I mean, it's classic Nicholson. Um, but you never read the book. No, I you know I didn't read the book. You're right, and um, like you, you know that two different stories, right? Two totally different things. Right. It's this. It's like the same thing, but totally different. Like scenarios and things were omitted and changed and turned it into a different kind of thing. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. It's also interesting. I know that there's like a. There was a documentary on Netflix, Room, something, 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 three numbers. And uh, I don't know what the numbers were, but uh, 923, I think, Room 923? No. It's not? Now I'm on the spot and I can't remember. 823? Because in the book, it's different. In the movie, it was it's different numbers than in the movie, and I can't remember what the movie one was. But they talked about some of the movie magic they used to like make that. 237 or something like that? It is 237. She's a fucking G, y'all. I Can I just say... Real quick, I wanna I'm gonna brag about you for a second here because this is a very interesting fact. If we're ever talking about a movie and Veronica's talking about this movie and I'm like, what year was the movie? One hundred percent of the time, she's going to accurately on the first try say the year. Okay, so I was right. the uh, The room in The Shining was two thirty seven, and in the book, it was two seventeen. So increased by 20. But they did that documentary that shows the movie magic and they like they mirror imaged the hotel to make it longer and seem bigger and creepier. It's actually a very small space. Right. To kind of like mimic the fact that it it was like all a labyrinth and it was all a labyrinth in his head. And they made it more psychological, whereas the book was more ghost and horror based. Like in the book, they instead of a hedge maze, they have like topiary animals that come to life and chase everybody. Whoa. Yes. It sounds super cheesy, but when you're reading this book, it's horrifying. <laughs> I bet if that movie was redone now, The Shining, like in the modern era, it would, they probably would try to be more true to the source material. Okay, so let me tell you something about that. Not that long ago, it was probably like 10 years ago or so, they did a miniseries. It was like three hours long that Stephen King executive produced or produced or something or had something to do with it because it was directly from the source material of his book. And in classic Stephen King, so much love to you, man. In classic Stephen King fashion, it was terrible. It was terrible, huh? It wasn't great. So essentially what I I feel like is Stephen King himself, great author, maybe not a great television or movie guy. I don't want to go there. (laughs) Okay, well, that's fair enough. I mean, everybody has flaws. There's nothing, no shame against him. Uh, One thing I think that was interesting that I wanted to ask you on your podcast here um, is we watched Creepshow 2 recently and funny enough because The Raft is in Creepshow, it's in both, right? Yeah, The Raft is a short story that's featured in Skeleton Crew and it's also part of uh, Creepshow 2, the movie. And... um, (laughs) I feel like you weren't really watching it. You were like in and out of it because it was very weird. The <laughs> the movie was very Stephen King. <laughs> the premise of The Raft, folks, this is what I'm going to gather from the movie. 
because I think you had plans to maybe do a dramatic reading or something where maybe we'll both do it or something. Well, I had originally thought about doing a, a dramatic reading of The Raft because it was hilarious, but <laughs> we decided to kind of make this more about me enlightening you on Stephen King, if you'll recall. Oh, I see how you just switched to Doozle Roozled me there. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. Um, but The Raft, here's my summary of The Raft per what the movie showed me. Um, douchey 70s guys, two dudes, want to bang these girls. They jump into this cold-ass lake. They swim to this, like, floating wooden raft in the middle of this lake. And, of course, the girls are cold and blah, blah, And it's this whole, like, typical, you know, sexualized 70s concept. With, yeah, with weed. Oh, that's great. That's, okay, perfect. We are on literature. Um, but Well, he had the weed in his uh, swim shorts. What was he wearing, a Speedo? Oh, yeah, he had it in a bag or something. I'm like, how did that even work? He just swam there. But not everybody makes it all the way onto the raft. They all do. They all do initially? Yeah. Oh, she does make it on there. They all make it onto the raft initially. See, that? I guess that part I did miss. I thought that one girl bit it before she got there because there's this weird floating blobby shit that's in the lake that is not the raft, but they're on the raft. And the thing that's in the lake that's fucking with them it's not pretty, but no one survives because that's Stephen King for you. Well, way to just spoil the whole thing because <laughs> no one survives. No, no one survives. That's what I'm talking about when I say you have to really be in the mood to read this book, Skeleton Crew, because it's really bleak as fuck. And it's scary, but it's also like cheesy in a campy, great kind of way. Like I would definitely recommend reading this book you know it's got a little novella in it the mist which was uh turned into a couple movies like i think there was one movie and maybe like a mini series that came out not that long ago i don't remember that that book though the mist which is the novella in this book here scared the shit out of me it was so scary and that was uh, had a horrible bleak ending too like they all have very bleak endings so you have to be prepared for that Okay, so I'm looking at this book. She just handed me Skeleton Crew. And I just turned to the raft, and I, I feel like I do want to read a little bit of it, just because, like, <laughs> why the fuck not? But it was it was 40 miles from Horlicks University in Pittsburgh to Cascade Lake. And although dark comes early to that part of the world in October, and all they, though they didn't get going until 6 o'clock, there was a little light in the sky when they got there. They had come in Deke's Camaro, Deke didn't waste any time when he was sober. After a couple of beers, he made that Camaro walk and talk. He had hardly brought the car to, to a stop at a pole fence between the parking lot and the beach before he was out and pulling off his shorts. Jesus, pulling off his shorts. Pretty sure it says shirt. Oh, shit. It does say shirt. I just misread that so, so bad, so bad. His eyes were scanning the water for the raft. Randy got out of the shotgun seat a little reluctantly. This had been his idea, true enough, but he had never expected Deke to take it seriously. The girls were moving around in the back seat, getting ready to get out. Deke's eyes scanned the water restlessly, side to side. Sniper's eyes, Randy thought uncomfortably. And then he fixed onto a point. It's there! He shouted, slapping the hood of the Camaro. Just like you said, Randy, hot damn! Last one in a rotten egg! Or last one ends a rotten egg. Sorry, I can't fucking read for shit. See, this is why I shouldn't be on literature. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if this would be scary. But so far, it's just dorky. 
Yeah, this is why you were not picked to do literature. <laughs> this is why I was picked to do literature. No, I'm just kidding. No, it starts off like any 70, like late late 70s, early 80s, softcore porn would, you know, you got that beach thing going, you got that date rape vibe going. But uh, it gets pretty scary pretty quick because once they get in, they decide to get into the water, it's freezing cold, they swim out to the raft. While they're swimming, the, the you know, dorky smart kid or whatever, I don't remember his name. Randy? Randy. Randy notices a fucking blob in the water that looks like an oil slick and it's moving towards them as they're trying to swim to this raft. So they all get onto the raft or whatever. And then, um, long story short, the blob starts eating all of them and like disintegrating them through the planks of the raft and and then so we're at at this point in the story we're like one girl gone this big athletic swimmer dude he's gone all that's left is big athletic dude's girlfriend who's like panicking and then scrawny randy (laughs) and randy like in the movie it's weird like it gets a little date rapey and I didn't appreciate that, but whatever. And then uh, he, like, you see him, like, considering possibly throwing her off the raft, maybe swim to the other side, or he's, like, trying to, like, cop a feel because he thinks he's going to die or something. And then the blob starts coming up through the, the cracks and, like, just disintegrates her and, like, whatever. So he swims for it, and uh, he makes it to the beach, and then the blob gets him anyway. Oh, my God. So Fifty Shades of Stephen King here. Uh, Deke unbuckled his jeans still running and pushed them off his lean hips. He somehow got them all of the way, or he somehow got out of them all the way without stopping, a feat Randy could not have duplicated in a thousand years. Deke ran on, now only wearing bikini briefs, the muscles in his back and buttocks working gorgeously. (laughs) Fifty Shades of Stephen King is a fucking real thing. That's why y'all read this shit, because it's secretly <laughs> smut. That's what it is. That's the truth right there. Trash. Trash, trash. It's all trash. <laughs> no, it's got some good some good gems in there. Let me let me see this copy real quick. Because it's, it's got quite a few uh, stories in here. It's got a ridiculous introduction by Stephen King that I, I love reading. It was funny. Um... It's got The Mist, which is his novella, and then a bunch of random short stories, some uh, stories that were in magazine articles, some that are um, poems. I think there's like two poems in here. Anyway, we've got The Mist, Here There Be Tigers, tigers spelled with a Y, (laughs) The Monkey, Cain Rose Up, Mr. Todd's Shortcut, The Jaunt, the John is scary as fuck, by the way. That's like the most disturbing one in this whole book, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, the Wedding Gig, Paranoid, A Chant, The Raft, Word Processor of the Gods, The Man Who Would Not Shake Hands, rude, Beach World, The Reaper's Image, and that's his oldest one, by the way. He wrote The Reaper's Image when he was 18. Uh, Nona for Owen, that was written for his son. Survivor Type, Uncle Otto's Truck, Morning Deliveries, or Milkman Number 1. Big Wheels, A Tale of the Laundry Game, which is Milkman number two. Grandma, The Ballad of the Flexible Bullet, The Reach, and some liner notes, which he's, you know, he does some epilogues and stuff like that. What's up? So, you should read the introduction. 
I mean, I read some randomness of the raft. You said the introduction was funny. I want to hear it. Be dramatic about it. I don't give a damn. Well, I don't know how funny it is, but I thought it was funny because I'm kind of a dork. Let me turn this light on. It's getting a little dark in here. Not that that did anything. Okay. So, the introduction. This book, Skeleton Crew. So much drama. I love that. The very first page when you open it, it's blank other than the words, do you love? (laughs) Drama. Okay, intro. Here's the first little intro. There's two. Wait, just a few minutes. I want to talk to you, and then I'm going to kiss you. Wait. (laughs) Drama, like I said. Okay, this is what he writes. Here's some more short stories if you want them. They span a long period of my life. The oldest, The Reaper's Image, was written when I was 18 in the summer before I started college. I thought of the idea as a matter of fact when I was out in the backyard of our house in West Durham, Maine, shooting baskets with my brother and reading it over again made me feel a little sad for those old times. The most recent, The Ballad of the Flexible Bullet, was finished in November of 1983. That is the span of 17 years and does not count as much. Uh, let's see, and then he goes on to talk about this little story of book revenge, which I like. A friend of mine asked me a year or two ago why I still bother. My novels, he pointed out, were making very good money, while my short stories were actually losers. How do you figure that, I asked. Page turn. Thank you all. He, oh, thanks. Yeah, it's kind of hard to see. Hold on. He tapped the then-current issue of Playboy, which he which had occasioned this discussion. I had a story in it, Word Processor of the Gods, which you'll find in here someplace, and he had pointed it out to, and had pointed it out to him with what I thought was justifiable pride. Well, I'll show you, he said, if you don't mind telling me how much you got for the piece. I don't mind, I said. I got $2,000. Not exactly chicken dirt, Wyatt. His name isn't really Wyatt, but I don't want to embarrass him if you can dig that. No, you didn't get 2000 Wyatt said. I didn't. Have you been looking at my bank book? Nope, but I know you got $1,800 for it because your agent gets 10%. Damn right, I said. He deserves it. He got me in Playboy. I've always wanted to have a story in Playboy, so it was 1800 bucks instead of 2000 Big deal. No, you got 1710 What? Well, didn't you tell me your business manager gets 5% of the net? Well, okay, 1800 less 90 bucks. I still think 1710 is not bad for... Except it wasn't, the sadist point pushed on. It was really a measly 855. What? You want to tell me you're not in a 50% tax bracket, Steve-O? I was silent. He knew I was. And, he said gently, it was really just about $769.50, wasn't it? I nodded reluctantly. Maine has an income tax which requires residents in my bracket to pay 10% of their federal taxes to the state. 10% of $855 is $85.50. How long did it take you to write this story, Wyatt persisted? About a week, I said ungraciously. It was really more like two, with a couple of rewrites added in, but I wasn't going to tell Wyatt that. So you made $769.50 that week, he said. You know how much a plumber makes per week in New York, Steve-O? No, I said. I hate people who call me Stevo, and neither do you. Sure I do, he said. About seven hundred and sixty-nine dollars and fifty cents after taxes, and so far, and so far as I can see, what you got there is a dead loss. He laughed like hell and then asked if I had any more beer in my fridge. 
I said no. I'm going to send a good I'm going to send good buddy Wyatt a copy of this book with a little note. The note will say, I am not going to tell you how much I was paid for this book, but I'll tell you this, Wyatt. My total take on word processor of the gods, net, is just now over $2,300, not even counting the $769.50 you hee-hawed over at my house at the lake. I will sign the note Stevo and add a P.S. There really was more beer in my fridge, and I drank it myself after you were gone that day. That ought to fix him. That's incredible. Stephen King is saucy. He's a saucy bitch. Sassafras. Yes, Jesus criminally. Yeah, so that's how Skeleton Crew is introduced. It's random, but I liked it. I hope you enjoyed my dramatic reading of the introduction as written by Stephen King. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stories in there. The Jauntless especially is terrifying. That one takes place in space. I actually <laughs> was just reading it the other day. And it's about um, these people who are going to try to get, like, transported to another planet. And, like, allegedly it's, like, a very common thing. People do it all the time for work. It's, like, a commute thing. They move, whatever. And this guy's family uh, is going to go with him to live on this other planet. So he's telling them the story of how this, you know, thing came about, you know, how they developed the jaunt or whatever to his kids to kind of calm them down about not being nervous about the flight or whatever. And uh, this, oh, that book is just scary. I don't think I want to spoil it. I I think I might make Nate read it and then we'll talk about it on Foodies or something. (laughs) See if he liked it or not. But it was, that's an intense little story. This whole book is full of intense little campy stories. And I'd probably, out of uh, 10 Stephen Kings, give it, Nine Stephen Kings. <laughs> now he's a rating system too. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Stephen King is a rating system. Mm-hmm. Is ten the maximum Stephen King, or is this some weird Shining shit where it goes up to eleven because he's cold? <laughs> no, it's it's just out of Stephen King's ten Stephen Kings. I I give it a nine out of ten. So all time favorite Stephen King is still The Shining. Mm-hmm. Is that your perfect book? Well, of the Stephen King books that I've read, my favorite is The Shining. I think that it's uh, it's, it's really good. And I haven't read the sequel to The Shining that came out. Um, Lauren and I were talking about that the other day on Foodies. Oh, Dr. Sleep, that's what it's called. And it's um, the continuing story of his son, Jack's son from The Shining, like years later. Um, he gets like entangled with a group of psychic vampires who try to like leech off of his ability or some shit. I don't know what it's about, but you know, I, I give it a read. Can I just say, if I was Danny Torrance, I would have motherfucking PTSD, and that would be a way more interesting story than fucking psychic vampires. Yeah. Like, w- well, I, uh, that's just part of the story. I think. Dr. Sleep is the reason that he's called Dr. Sleep is I think that he works in like like I said I didn't read this whole thing but what I gathered is he works with people helping people like that are dying to die with no pain or whatever like they just go to sleep story of Jack Kevorkian maybe I don't know I guess I need to read this book <laughs> um, do, do you have a copy of it no okay well that's good to know okay um no, but my birthday is coming up. That is true. Uh, question. Answer. This, uh, we've kind of talked about it a little bit here and there, 
But overall, what are your, like, ah, that's actually an even better question I have for you, just out of curiosity. What's your least favorite Stephen King book that you've read? Ah, see, that's a question you don't get asked ever. My least favorite? I don't know. I like a lot of the ones that I've read. I guess, hmm, maybe Salem's Lot. I don't think I ever need to read Salem's Lot again or watch the horrible Salem's Lot movie that I tried to watch recently and had to turn off because I was like, eh. You just bought that on Blu-ray. I know it was like five bucks on like some in some bin, but like I said, I've been collecting Stephen King movies, and it's be kind of kind of becoming like a thing. I don't really collect things, so this is like my way to collect something. Cool. Um, so tell me more about Stephen King stuff, or where are we at in your podcast? I don't. You're the host, so I'm a little. Where are we at? <laughs> okay. Well. I don't know. I think uh, we pretty much covered what I wanted to talk about. Do you feel like you're more enlightened about Stephen King? Yes, and books in general, and I also should probably learn to read. <laughs> yeah, well, we're very busy people. We don't necessarily have make time to read books these days, which is why Joanna, our glorious goddess of you know hosting and wonderfulness, has this podcast, and we don't. We have a movie podcast because that's what we do. <laughs> Movies are easier. Two hours, concise. It gives you the whole story, front, back, middle, and you can talk about it, unless it's a weird sequel. That's your opinion. I do love books. I would love to make more time to read books. I just don't have it. I'm, I do a lot of things. Podcasting and being a mother and a teacher and a musician is all very exhausting. Did you say podcaster in that as well? Did I? I don't remember. I did. I think that was like the first thing I said. Will you listen to me? <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, first of all, also, you know the truth that I just came back from a very loud concert, so. Oh, that's true. You you did have a very loud concert last night. Did you want to regale us with any tales? No, those are going to be saved for um, tomorrow's episode of Journey into Comics, episode 186. You guys can check that out. Um, and I want to just say thanks to everybody that checked out Feature, or not Feature Week, Fool's Week here. It's been really cool to kind of come up with this idea of how we would all do these shows that we're a part of, that we're family on, but differently. And like, what's your take? And how would you do your this idea that's been created for our network? Right, yeah. I thought it was a fun idea when everybody was talking about it. And I had fun doing this podcast today. I... I just want to thank Joanna for letting me take over this episode of Literature. And thank you, Nate, for being my guest today and co-host and extraordinaire. It's episode 10, by the way. We, I can't believe we accidentally stole her 10th episode. Oh, yeah. Literature. Podcast about books. Episode 10. But yeah, you can check out Literature on the various social media platforms. Uh, what was the tag? at Literature Podcast or podcastliterature at gmail.com if you want to email Joanna questions about books or Michelle, who's the new co-host over there. Yes, and I have not yet met Michelle. It's going to be a hard thing to do. She lives in Canada. Well, I am aware of that, but I have not like yet conversed with her, so I look forward to that, Michelle. Welcome to the Journey into Comics Network. We, we love you. We're happy to have you. Hell yeah. Well said, V. 
Um, also, as always, check out literature on uh, journeyintocomics.com or on all the different podcasting platforms, whether it's iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. You can find the various shows on the network there, 9 out of 10, or go to gameaddictspodcast.com for that 10th one. Or if you want all 10 of them, here's a secret. Go to patreon.com backslash journeyintocomics. You'll get all 10 shows for a buck early access as soon as they're readily available. Check it out. If you were a part of Fool's Week this week on the net, on the Patreon, at midnight on April Fool's, every episode dropped one minute apart. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. That's pretty cool. You can also check out our other podcast if you enjoyed listening to me and Nate banter about bullshit. Uh, <laughs> Foodies Watching Movies. Yeah, Foodies Watching Movies is my jam. I love that. We're um, a little over midway through our f- second season now. so Yeah, we've got some good stuff coming up. And uh, you can, ch- uh, what date is that? Or? Every other Wednesday on the Journey into Comics Network. V's not all on the schedule. I don't do the plugs. I don't like doing the plugs. I can't remember them all. I'm terrible at it. I'm sorry. You don't have to be sorry. That's why you're here. Yeah, that's what I'm doing now is to, to tell you guys where you can check out all the stuff. Um as always, I want to just real quick take this opportunity. I don't know who on the network will actually listen to this, but I do want to specially shout out every single person that was involved with making Fool's Week a thing. Um, as far as I know, we're the only podcast network that attempted to do anything like this that would even be crazy enough to have that much cross-pollination and people that typically don't even appear on certain shows hosting those shows, and, and it was interesting, you know. But uh, overall, I'm just grateful for the team and I'm thankful that everybody stepped up this week and uh, really brought some really funny, cool, weird content that I hope you guys all enjoyed. And stick around because later today, Best of the Week is going to drop. and It's going to have highlights from everything during Fool's Week that we thought was good. Well, I mean, a little bit of something. We don't want to spoil all the episodes for you guys. But back to V. What's up? Oh, well, yeah. Thank you for listening to Literature Podcasts. The, an enlightened podcast about books. I just love that title so much, Joanna. It's uh, It makes me laugh every time I, I see it. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, and uh, should we close it out like they do? Bye. Oh, no, I thought you were going to say, like, you're Veronica and I'm Nate. We got to say who we are. Why? They already know who we are. They already said it. Oh, yeah, we did already say it. Okay. This is literature. I'm so sorry. Isn't that the point? <laughs> So, yeah, if you want to get more lit, make sure to check them out every other Sunday on the Journey into Comics Network. And uh, I think that's going to do it. All right? All right. Bye. Bye.